Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Hey there, welcome into the program. Friendly reminder to our listeners to hit that subscribe button for us. Search the Saints Wire on Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, Spotify, whatever works best for you. We appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, John, it's a tough loss for the Saints for, for a few reasons. Obviously, we've lost five in a row now, but here's where I want to start. Taysom Hill, right? Taysom Hill. He gets to start finally. You know, I think Sean Payton and the Saints, they had to try something, right, to jumpstart the offense and Taysom's toughness, his ability to run the ball, that's obvious. His pocket passing leaves a little bit to be desired, obviously. But when you factor in, what, the plantar fascia injury, the finger injury he had, uh, the concussions he's dealt with throughout the season, I mean, it was going to be hard for him to go out and light it up and score a bunch of points. And uh, I guess that's what we saw in this game on Thursday night. But Taysom... Gets the start, and the box score is not going to do him any favors, is it? No, not particularly. Uh, when, when your wide receivers uh, catch 13 of the 31 passes you throw at them, uh, it's, you're, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, you know, some of the issues Taysom had could be explained with the injury. Uh, he, he, his throwing hand collided with, with the Cowboys defender very early in this game. He, he spent most of the night trying to throw with a flint uh, taped to his middle finger, and he had trouble with that. Not all of his issues are because of that. You know, there, he had a couple of interceptions there in the fourth quarter where he he was just making poor decisions with the ball. He he wasn't putting it in a, in a good spot. He he was uh, you know putting it putting the, his passes in harm's way. Uh, but there were times uh, where you know the Saints uh, left some points out there on the field where he wasn't able to uh, just rifle the pass into Traquan Smith uh, there in the red zone yeah, for what open. should have been a touchdown. Yep, wide open. Yeah. Yeah, but he, you know, he, yeah, he, he couldn't drop the ball and he couldn't spin it uh, well enough, not like he used to, and he threw a duck and it, it fell incomplete. And so th- that, that really limited him on top of the uh, foot injury that we know he's been dealing with, that plantar fascia. Um, all things considered, uh, you know, you could see the vision here. You could see what the Saints like about Taysom Hill. You can see why Sean Payton values him so highly. But the, the, the guy just – there's just so many negative plays. There's so much adversity with injuries and everything that he, he, he was not enough to save this team uh, from, from the five-game losing streak that they're now in. Yeah, but, but on the flips, it seemed like watching you tweet during that Thanksgiving loss to the Bills, uh, you were done watching Trevor Simeon, though, right? So you were all in on moving, <laughs> moving to so Taysom done. and let's, let's at least make it entertaining, right? Let's at least see what happens with Taysom out there. He is kind of a lightning rod, right? You never know what's going to happen on any drive. Yeah, you know, Trevor Simeon's not running for 100 yards uh, in his career, probably. Um, <laughs> no. So if, no, yeah, so if, I mean, if, if the Saints are going to have a stay up past 11 on a weeknight, the least they could do is make it, make it exciting, and Taysom Hill can do that. Uh, he's, he's such an electric athlete that he, he can make some exciting plays. He, he, he can, you know, keep us entertained. So if the Saints are going to continue to lose games, continue to be frustrating, then this is, you know, my preferred way of, of going about that. I, I would rather watch Taysom, you know, keep the defense uh, playing scared a bit with, with, with the threat of him as a runner than I would, you know, like to see Trevor Simeon go out there and put up six points in four quarters. So from that perspective, I don't have a whole lot to complain about. I just hope the team can get healthy. They can find a way to snap this losing skid next week against the Jets. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard to be mad at Taysom. And, uh, you know, I wanted him to be the starter as soon as Jameis went down. I just thought, you know, the receivers, as you mentioned, John, they're not good for him. They're not good for Simeon either. They're not good for any quarterback. So you might as well go with Taysom, who has the rushing thing going for him. And at least you can make the defense, you know, keep the defense honest a little bit. And you mentioned it. He rushes for 101 yards. 11 carries, 101 yards. A lot of those were, you know, not scrambles, right? A lot of them were designed runs. Then they were taking advantage of some things on, you know, that the Cowboys defense was giving them. Why do you think they kind of unleashed the beast in this game a little bit, John, right? Because Taysom, they've been trying to protect him. He's been battling a lot of injuries this year. He also had a concussion, right, earlier in the year. Uh, do you think they let him run it because the finger was affecting the passing game so much? Obviously, that splint looked like it was uncomfortable. He kept tugging on it. The broadcast made a big deal about that. Or do you think it was kind of like a screw it? We got to empty the bucket. We're, our backs are against the wall. We're gonna we're about to lose five straight. Like we got to get a win. This is our best chance. So just Taysom tuck it and run. Like you know, why do you think they let Taysom uh, take off eleven times for one on one in this game? Yeah, I'm sure that was a big part of it, of them, you know, emptying the clip and trying to do everything they can just to get the offense going. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there came a point where Taysom had, had so many, you know, poor passes that they just had to find something to get the offense moving. And it, it became apparent that he was a more effective runner than passer at, at, in this game. And that's whenever they started dialing up this QB power over and over and over again. You know, I, I joked on Twitter, uh, you know, why don't we just build the whole offense out of TV power? (laughs) That's exactly exactly. what the Saints did. Um, Jumbo package. Let's go. Yeah, and it was very effective. You know, they they were daring the Cowboys to stop it, and they just didn't have any answers. And so that that is going to be a larger part of Payson's game uh, moving forward. And I think it should be because that is what sets them apart from guys like, uh, you know, even Jameis Winston, who did, who he had some nice moments as a runner, but those were all unscrambled. Uh, he, he's not the athlete Taysom is. Um, he's not going to have as much success uh, on these designed runs. So that, that that's what sets Taysom apart from Trevor Simeon, from Ian Book, um, is his ability to make plays with his legs. I, I think the Saints found some things that work really well there, and I, I think that's something that's really going to emphasize that down the stretch. All right, well, before we learn that Taysom was taking the first team reps this week, John, uh, Adam Schefter came out with a tweet uh, saying, you know, reporting that Taysom got a contract extension. And actually, here's what he wrote. Quote, a unique contract extension that could be worth anywhere from $40 million to $95 million, depending on what position he plays. So if he sticks as the quarterback, I would imagine lots of incentives kick in, John. Everyone has an, uh, an opinion on this contract, right? Because I'm sure... Taysom's probably one of the most polarizing figures in New Orleans, I imagine. Uh, what can we read into the contract and Taysom's future with the team? Like, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think he's a lifer here. For as long as Sean Payton is, wants to be here, as long as Taysom is, you know, able to play football, I, Sean Payton wants this guy on his team. Uh, that, that extension that Taysom signed, it did not have any new money in it for this season. It didn't do it have anything to do with his cap hit. It didn't give him a new signing bonus or anything like that. It was all about giving him some long-term security, keeping him from testing free agency in the spring, and and really um, illustrating the trust that the team has in him. Um, this, this, this was a long-term move. Now, what's interesting is how, how those incentives and escalators work. The only way he gets that we, – we saw that $94, $95 million number flying all over social media – yeah. Um, there was a lot of criticism about that. The only way he makes that money is if he wins the quarterback, the starting quarterback job, 
and very successful in winning, you know, 12 or 13 games a year, winning multiple Super Bowls. That, that's what this is tied to. It's tied to, you know, his passing yards, his, uh, his, pass, his uh, touchdown passes, um, all, all, of, all of these factors that really rely on him uh, being the QB1 for the next four years. And based on what we've seen so far, I just don't think that's realistic. I think the Saints know that's not realistic as well, just in how they structured this contract. If, if Taysom is here uh, playing more as a tight end, slot receiver, lot, a lot of special teams reps over the next four years, I think they're happy. I think, I think that Sean Payton and his staff would, would be comfortable with that, I guess. And so I think that it's probably an overpay. Um, you know, it, it, let's say that, that he does predominantly play tight end and slot receiver. Okay, so among similar players around the league, that would be like the eighth highest uh, average annual salary. So I don't see any other team that is probably paying Taysom Hill that amount of money. Um, and I think it's fair to criticize the Saints because of that. However, you know, they're going to make decisions that they want to make, ultimately. You know, they're not going to let the market decide this. They're not going to read uh, Bill Barnwell's column on ESPN+. Plus. That's not going to shape their decision-making here. They're going to evaluate the player, um, forecast how they see him performing two, three, four years down the road, and make decisions based off of that. And that's what they've done. We'll, we'll see if it's the right uh, assumptions that they've, they've been making. But I'm just... I'm not convinced that, based off Taysom's current workload, that this contract is going to end up looking, you know, like a positive for the organization. I mean, he's going to have to be a significantly bigger part of the offense moving forwards to justify it. And so far, you know, I'm just not confident that he can stay healthy long enough to do that, where they could be asking him to, you know, run 10 or 12 times a game or whatever it may be. So they've got a lot to figure out. They've got a lot to do to justify this. Um, I'm just really intrigued to see how it all plays out over the next few years. All right. So we'll continue reacting to this loss to the Cowboys with our questions of the week. Stick with us. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini here with TheHuddle.com to bring you strong plays for Week 13. Quarterback Taylor Heineke, Washington football team at Las Vegas Raiders. While Heineke has multiple touchdown passes in only one of the last seven outings, this could be a get-right game for the gunslinger against a Las Vegas defense that has yielded 25.9-plus PPR points to four quarterbacks in the last six games. Over the last three weeks, this matchup is 36.2% easier to exploit than the league average, largely thanks to Patrick Mahomes, but even Teddy Bridgewater dropped nearly 30 points against his defense going back to Week 6. Heineke and Washington Washington have momentum on their side, and the quarterback has the weaponry to approach 25 fantasy points. Running back Alexander Madison, Minnesota Vikings at Detroit Lions. Madison will make his third start of the year with Dalvin Cook set to miss time with a shoulder injury. The Boise State product was thrust into the same role as Cook in the two prior starts, rushing 26 times for 112 yards and 25 for 113 in weeks 3 and 5 respectively. He added 6 catches for 59 yards and 7 catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown via the passing game in those same two contests. The Lions were his Week 5 opponent, and they allowed 28.3 PPR points. Detroit has been among the softest of softies versus running backs in this season, giving up 17 total touchdowns in 11 games, including 7 receiving scores and 141.4 total yards per game. 
on average. Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool versus Baltimore Ravens. Claypool has come on a little bit of late, registering eight catches on 17 targets in the last two games since returning from a toe injury in Week 10. He has not scored since Week 5, but has a better than average chance if he can avoid Marlon Humphrey more often than not. Deontay Johnson should see Humphrey more than he'll see Anthony Averitt, which leaves Claypool to exploit one of the best individual matchups of the year. And even if he draws Humphrey, the Pro Bowl cornerback hasn't been as strong as he had in recent years. Something in the neighborhood of 15 to 18 PPR points can be expected. CJ Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals versus Los Angeles Chargers. LA has done a good job of limiting tight ends yardage and receptions, but also has been the easiest defense to play against in terms of getting into the end zone. And that is the only reason why anyone should consider playing Uzama in fantasy. He has been mostly useless since a midseason spurt of five touchdowns in four games, so realize any inclusion of him into a fantasy lineup is among the wildest of gambles in Week 13. Be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning content as we help put you into the playoffs. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com. For terms and conditions, 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we've reached that time of the show. It's our questions of the week. Three questions for John that he's not prepped on. Here's question number one, John. It's kind of a two-parter. Give me one Saints player you're super happy with and one Saints player you're kind of pissed at this morning. Okay, so let's start with the negative here. Um, I like it. Yeah, I like feeling it. After this loss. Yeah, yeah, same, yeah, same. Yeah. No player may have had more negative plays for how little he got on the field against the Cowboys than Kenny Stills, who was a receiver that, I, you know, I pounded the table this guy for months. You love him. Like, yep, you love uh, him. To bring, to bring him in earlier this, earlier this season, to give him a shot. Um, he only ran, I believe, nine routes against the Cowboys. He was targeted four times, didn't catch a single pass. Uh, there was one play he was targeted down near the goal line, but covered by a linebacker, you know, Micah Parsons, who I know is not, you know, your average garden variety linebacker, uh, where Stills had a chance to make a play. Uh, it was a contested catch. He should have caught that ball. He should have at least knocked it out of bounds. Instead, it just, it just bounces off of his hands uh, into, the def- into the defender's hands for an interception. If he would have made a better effort on that play, um, then that's probably a game-changing uh, uh, opportunity there. So, you know, for how little he got on the field, only running nine routes, to not catch a single pass, um, to directly lead to a turnover like that, it's, it's just so frustrating, and it really illustrates how badly the Saints need to just rebuild the, the receiving core here in the offseason. All right, I love it. And what player are you super happy with? Man, I was going to say Marcus Williams, and then I remembered, yeah. it, and then, and then I remembered he, he gave the 50, yeah. That, yeah. That, that angle, that that fifty-eight yard touchdown run. The lack of an angle <laughs> on uh, Tony Pollard down the sideline. It was horrible, man. That was tough. Um, yes, that that was difficult. Uh, okay, so a player I am feeling pretty positive about. Uh, let's shout out tight end Nick Vanette. So he's somebody that I, I really was not in on as a free agent pickup this off season. Um, Sean Payton was talking about how. Uh, well, he, uh, I feel like we can get more out of him as a receiver than he has before. And, and he's averaged, I think, less than one reception per game in his NFL career over like 40 or 50 games with the Seahawks and the Steelers and the Broncos. Uh, he's just been a total non factor up until this point. 
Well, wouldn't you know it? He goes and catches three or four targets, 48 yards, has a gorgeous 30-yard pickup on a screen pass. Um, he showed more on that screen pass than we saw from Adam Troutman all season in his ability to follow his blocks, take a good angle, and fight through contacts. So, Vinette uh, was a very effective player for the Saints in this game. So, good, good, good on him for uh, proving me wrong. Uh, Boo on Kenny Stills for also, or, or for not proving me right, I guess. All right, John, here's the venting question of the week for you, okay? So, finish this sentence for me. The quote, I'm going to put this in air quotes, okay? The blindside block call on Garrett Griffin in the third quarter. Oh, that was a total malarkey. Uh, my goodness, that, that, that was a mess. You know, you, you know it's bad when literally everyone on Twitter is freaking out about this and upset about it. When, when Sean Payton is barking at the officials for, you know, 10 minutes later during the game, um, it, it was just a total botched call. Uh, the, the Saints, they lost like a quarter of the field in field positioning there. They got moved back from their 21 to their 10. Uh, backs up against the wall, literally up against their own end zone. It, it was a terrible, terrible call. Uh, Brad Rogers is the referee in this game. He, he and his crew have had several moments like this. Uh, they're one of the, one of the most flag happy officiating crews around the league. Um, the NFL just cannot keep giving them these primetime games. You know, they're, they're making bad decisions. They're in, interfering with the, with the product on the field, um, and it's having a negative impact on on, on the sport. So the, they've get, we've been we've been talking about this all, all year. The, the, the officiating, something's got to be done. It's got to get cleaned up. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they need to start putting phones and addresses on referee uniforms to hold them accountable. I don't know what we got to do. Uh, <laughs> we yeah. got to do something, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it is, it is, it's awful. You know, it, it's gotten to a point. Um, and, and you know, Saints fans know well. Look, look at the the NFC Championship game, no call. These these referees are just so they can just be so blithe in their decisions that they can just step in and uh, totally shift the. Uh, outcome of a game, and nothing is done to hold them accountable for it. You know, Bill Vinovich is still getting primetime games every night, every weeknight. So, something's got to change. I don't know what it's going to be, uh, but they've got to do something to change this process, or it's going to start losing fans. If I'm going to cor- uh, finish that sentence, and you hit on it, it decided the game, right? It decided the game. It was still 13 to 10 at that point. And the Saints had picked up a first down they, on the play that was flagged. Like, Deontay Harris picked up 11 yards. So instead of first and 10 at the 32 with the Saints kind of, you know, they were kind of giving Dallas a little bit of, you know, some problems. They were moving the ball. They were hanging in there. Instead of first and 10 at the 32, it's first and 21 at their own 10, right? I mean, I thought it decided the game. And then the Saints punt, and then that's the Tony the Tony Pollard play, you know, came a, a few plays later. Yeah, I thought it decided the game. It was um, embarrassing, embarrassing. One of the worst calls I've ever seen. Question number three, to say the least, the uh, post-Drew Brees quarterback era for the Saints has uh, it's gotten off to a shaky start, right? Jameis, uh, Simeon, Taysom Hill. Uh, it's It's been a, a little bit of a roller coaster ride this year, uh, and, and that might continue. But what do you think? At this point, do you think the week one starter for the Saints next year is currently on the roster, or do you think it will be someone else, someone either in free agency or a trade, or someone else takes the QB1 reps week one next year. What do you think? Yeah, I really don't think that guy's on the roster. Um, the, the, you know, J- Jameis Winston played well. He was solid for the Saints. He didn't show me enough to think that the Saints are not going to be in the uh, quarterback market here in the offseason. Um, now, there's not a lot of options in free agency. There are going to be a lot of options on, on the trading market. 
Uh, we know that Aaron Rodgers is on the way out of Green Bay. We know that Russell Wilson is probably on the out in Seattle. And there's other situations to monitor, too. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, something's going to happen with him. Baker Mayfield, there's a lot of speculation in Cleveland about whether this is it for him, whether he's worth keeping around on, on his fifth-year option next season. Um, there's a lot of moving parts, and I definitely feel like the Saints are going to be interested in, in this, especially considering the state of, of the rookie quarterback class, where there really isn't it's someone that you would look at the Saints and say, well, we've, we've got the, the 11th overall pick and we're going to pick this guy because we think that he, he's the next Patrick Mahomes. Because there's nobody like that in this class. It's, it's just kind of mediocre. Let, let, let me backtrack. It's not exactly a mediocre rookie class, but there's no one who I look at as like instant day one improvement over what the Saints have right now. Yep. And then you do have guys who have been all pros, MVPs, uh, pro bowlers, um, number one draft picks out, out here who could be available, who, who could be on the move. And I think the Saints are going to be involved in that to, to a very high degree. And there's already been some buzz on, on, on Twitter from the, you know, the, the, the rumor mongering accounts about, about the Saints uh, checking in on Russell Wilson and what it would take to, to pry him out of Seattle. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I just, I feel like a more realistic uh, pl- player for them, for them to bring in would, would be someone that a team is actually looking to, you know, part ways with, and that could be someone like a Garoppolo or yep. Baker Mayfield. Garoppolo, um, yep. yeah, I like know, that name. Yeah, I mean, well, well, Garoppolo, Sean Payton has always been a Garoppolo guy. Um, it's not just that they shared an alma, alma mater, uh, but he was also a big fan when he was with the Patriots, and, or when Garoppolo was with the Patriots. And so that's someone that I could see him, he, I could very easily see him look at, looking at Garoppolo and thinking, Okay, this guy could be my um, my Alex Smith. He could be my game manager. We get, we could load up on some talented receivers, um, and he he could just be my facilitator. And I, to 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 a, to a better degree than Taysom or Janus could be, um, because both of those guys are really prone to negative plays. And Garoppolo, he may be a limited passer, but he isn't nowhere near as you know prone to throwing interceptions or coughing up a lot of fumbles or, or whatever. And so. I, I do think that the Saints are going to, to be looking for an upgrade. Um, I hope they find one uh, <laughs> because it's going to be another really tough year uh, if, if we run it back with the guys they've got. So, yeah, no, no, I, I don't believe that the day one starting quarterback is on the roster right now. If we can get Garoppolo out of San Francisco, can we get Debo Samuel too? That'd be fun, right? Can we just get please, him? Please, That'd be please, sweet. yeah. Yeah, Russell Wilson's yeah. an interesting one, man. If he wanted out of Seattle last offseason, well, what about now? That thing seems like it's almost run its course in Seattle, right? Maybe it's time to time for a change, Seattle. Yeah, why don't you send Russell Wilson over to New Orleans? That'd be pretty sweet. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think it's uh it's a player to be named and and hopefully the you know that name comes in the offseason. That'd be fun. So all right, John and I will be right back to look at the remaining schedule for the Saints. Are they out of it? They've lost five straight. The good news was they had a pretty good record before this losing streak. So are they completely out of it? Can they get back above five hundred? We'll answer that question coming up next. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are favored three and a half. The total is 45 and a half. I'm on the Cleveland Browns getting three and the hook. Football Outsiders actually grades the Browns higher than Baltimore. I think it could be a get right spot for Cleveland's offense playing against a banged up 
uh, Baltimore defensive line and a banged up Baltimore secondary. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? So Baltimore averages the most rushing yards per game and the Browns are giving up more than 165 per game. Give me Lamar in the points. Also, the Browns have not lost by less than three this season. Three and a half it is. That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, I was messing around on the website, 538.com. They're giving the Saints, after this loss to the Cowboys, an 11% chance of making the playoffs. Not good. Not good. A lot of factors probably playing into this, right? Roster availability, quarterback play, strength of schedule, all that. The Saints are 5-7. and seven. But when you look at the NFC playoff picture, there, there's a lot of teams with five wins right now, right? I mean, I think the Washington football team or the Vikings, one of those two teams are, are currently the seventh seed. I think it's Washington is currently the seventh seed with like a five and six record. So it's not like the Saints are completely out of it, but they're in this log jam of teams. And then you look at their schedule, right? At Jets, at Bucks. Can we split those two games? And then you have this stretch run against the Dolphins and the Panthers at home and then at Falcons to uh, finish the season. So if we're looking at, you know, an eight and nine record gives you a shot, but a nine and eight record gets you in. What do you think? Is this is this over? Can the Saints get back over five hundred by season's end? Can they win three out of these last five? Yeah, they totally can. And you know, I, I can go get a scratch off lottery ticket, and y'all never hear from me again. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely possible. I mean, teams have done this before. They've they've run the table. They've won five in a row to, to get into the to get into the playoffs. Um, looking at the schedule, the Saints only have uh, two get, two of their five remaining games are against teams that number one either have a losing record or number two have not already beaten the Saints this year. So they've got a really tough out with the Buccaneers in two weeks, and then they've got to close out the season. Um, against the Panthers and the Falcons who already beat the Saints earlier this season. Yep. So those divisional games, they're always tough. They're almost always a toss-up, um, especially in, in, this, in such a chaotic season where you know everybody is dealing with so many injuries, uh, New Orleans especially, at, at the top of their depth chart. So look, looking at it here, I, I like the Saints to beat the Jets uh, with, with 10 days of rest. Um, I, I think that's it. Should be a get-right game for them. Definitely. Uh, but we'll see. You know, the, the, these Jets, they've only won three games this year. One of those came over the Titans, who ran all over the Saints without Derrick Henry. So, and they also beat the uh, Bengals, if you remember. Write... Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. We, we, you know, we cannot write that off as an easy win for this, uh, like I just did. Um, that, that, that could be very ominous. Uh, and so, uh, with, with that said, I do think that the Saints can beat the Jets. I think they can beat the Dolphins on Monday Night Football in a few weeks. Um, and so I, but I, I'm, I'm just not totally sold on them, you know, beating all three of those division rivals here, or here down, down the stretch. So I, I think maybe they go two and three, maybe they go three and two here. Uh, but this does not look like a, a year where 10 wins is, is going to get you a playoff spot. I think nine and eight could get you in. Uh, but that means you would have to, okay, give me one and one, right? So you beat the Jets loose to the Bucks or something. You know, you go one and one in those two games. K 
can you run the table at home against the Dolphins, at home against the Panthers, and then at the Falcons? Not impossible. I don't know if I'd bet on it, John, right? Because the Dolphins are kind of hot right now. And as you said, I mean, these games, these division games, like the Falcons, man, it, it always feels like the Saints should crush the Falcons. And then you get into those games and they're freaking wars, right? And they come down to the wire and the, the game just never goes as you expect. Um, so can they win four out of the next five? I guess it's possible, but I don't know. I'm not betting on it, man. I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not going on Tipico or whatever, and, and and placing a wager on on the Saints making the playoffs, which is unfortunate. But uh, you know, the schedule is interesting enough. Where let's run Taysom back out there at quarterback, and uh, let's have an entertaining finish to the season. And you never know, right? It's what it's the schedule is. It is winnable. It's not like they're playing like a gauntlet here down the stretch. So it's like I don't know. We could we could sit back and see, right? No pressure. Just you know, try to. Try to get hot, and you know if the Saints do sneak in, that means they probably won a bunch of games in a row, and all of a sudden you you're you're, you're peaking at the right time, right? Am I? I'm fishing for it. Am I? Am I? Am I getting there? Yeah. So you know, if, if the Saints win five in a row, there's not a team in the playoff tournament that's going to want to face them, uh, and, and for good reason. I mean, they they've uh, knocked off the, the reigning Super Bowl champs this year. That they've played a, a lot of very good teams, very close. Uh, they, they play a very physical brand of football, and they are man, they're just a really tough out for for almost anybody, um, except the Philadelphia Eagles for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there, there's there's probably not any matchup looking at looking at the playoff standings. I don't. There's probably not a matchup I look at and say that you know I don't think the Saints could win this game. Um, you know, I said weeks ago that their destiny is probably to, you know, back into the playoffs, uh, beat a team like the Cowboys on the road, and they get knocked out in the, in the divisional round and try and go into 2022 with some optimism. So we'll see if they can pull that off. John, good to chat with you on a Friday after a game, man. That was a little different for us, but enjoy the mini bye week, all right? Yeah, I'll be sure to, man. You, you as well. We'll, we'll regroup next week, see if we can knock out these Jets. Absolutely. So uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Hit that subscribe button, and we will catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.